0: we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego.
1: All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, did you know law-abiding gun shops and manufacturers had their accounts shut down because companies like Shopify and PayPal think guns are inappropriate? Credit card companies and banks should not be used to limit your Second Amendment rights. That's why we are so excited to welcome 365 Glacier Payments as a 10-ring partner. 365 Glacier Payments specializes in serving companies in the firearm industry. If you have a firearms business and accept credit cards, give them a call today so you can enjoy the peace of mind that your account's won't be shut down. And also enjoy the best rates. Visit their website at 365glacierpayment.com. That's 365glacierpayment.com. And hey, tune in to the YouTube live stream. You got three handsy, handsome dudes on YouTube right now. Just go to Gun Owners Radio. Yeah. Help spread the word. Hit the like button. Subscribe button. Leave a comment or two. And talk to as many People as you can, and That's, again. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, welcome again to our yeah. Timberline Park their 365 Glacier Payment. We really are excited about having them. That's we're going to talk about them a little bit. The summer picnics coming up on the 18th. An activist update is out. Yeah, so
2: it's it's um, extremely important. The uh, 365 Glacier payments. Yeah. I get uh, calls from gun shops uh, fairly regularly,
3: yeah.
2: and uh, they get messed with. There was a few years ago, um, Operation uh, what was it called? Operation Choke Point or Bottleneck or something like that. Yeah. Something real creative. And the idea was that uh, the, some of the anti-gun uh, politicians and and people in the administration under Obama, what they wanted to do was was stop commerce for, sure. for the gun industry.
1: Anything and everything they can figure out how to stop, they will.
2: So I've gotten calls from gun shops saying, hey, we came in this morning and they just shut us down. Our, mm-hmm. our credit card processor shut us down. So even if you're not uh, a... Uh, you know, a gun shop or a gun store. If you're looking for credit card processing, 365 Glacier
1: payments, check them out. Yeah, because they do more than gun shops.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just help you process. But they what they don't do is they don't d- discriminate against you right. if you are a gun shop. And that, that happens. That happens to some of the big, big industry uh, right. players, yeah.
4: too. Yeah, see, we need a lot more of that, too, because you're, you're seeing, again, the left do that kind of stuff, yep. where, where they're using business to discriminate against people because of their maybe political views, because you right. see that a lot with conservatives with the stuff on the social media platforms. And you see it now with this. I think PayPal is sort of like that, isn't it? Because yep, sure. I think you can't mention guns or anything on PayPal, oh, if no. I
2: remember right. Um, PayPal was one of the uh, processors that one of the gun shops had. That's how they were processing all their payments in PayPal. Shut them down. Yeah. Well, that'll happen. But, just uh, without any warning. We, you know, it'd be one thing if they said, hey, look, you got 30 days or you got 45 days. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to do this anymore. It's not a part of our business plan. I actually support that. If, if you are a, a if you own a business, you should be able to decide, hey, this is the kind of customer I want or don't want, um, you know, but uh, come on, you know, just showing up on a Monday morning and finding out you can't do business that's because ridiculous. It, that's ridiculous.
4: I, I'm happy people are stepping up, uh, I you to. know, like 365 Glacier, and I hope so there's how, others out there doing that.
2: So how was Utah? Utah was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Went when to, are you moving? Uh, no, I'm not moving to Utah, believe me. Um, but we went to the uh, High West uh, Distillery, which is – the I had the best uh, whiskey I've ever had. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly. Seriously. Uh, it's not an exaggeration, and that's not something I, uh, I just throw around. It was uh, – it's called their Campfire Bottle. It's called Campfire. And it was – you know they talk about like the complexity, you know, mm-hmm. of wine or whatever. So this Campfire, you know, the first – this was the most complex I've ever had – the first swallow, you kind of get a little bit of a burn, and then you get like this caramel sweetness, and then you get this smokiness. Wow. And it takes a good 15 seconds for all that to happen. So, wow. so I
4: have to ask, before this whiskey, what was the best whiskey before or bourbon? That, yes, you've ever experienced up to that point, just for some context here.
2: I, I probably there was a, a, a bottle of, of, I can't remember the exact year, probably there was this Oban uh, bottle that I liked a lot. Um, okay, Scotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so now
1: you have a new best friend. Now
2: I have a new best friend. I mean, this is outstanding, and it, it's one of those deals. You know how they rate them, one to hundred. Um, this got like a ninety-nine. Wow. I mean, it's it's not. Was you it know,
1: made in Utah?
2: Yeah, their distillery was awesome. Their distillery was really, really remarkably beautiful and modern. And and we went and took a tour, and then they sat sat you down. And they gave you a flight and said, "Okay, here's our." Uh, they're one of the. Uh, I hadn't really experienced a lot of of true rye. And they had a rye that was really, really good. Um, so they talked about the difference between rye and and uh, you know had some of their some of their stuff out. There it was really good, but that campfire is amazing.
1: Can amazing. you get it locally?
2: Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, I was like, um, I'm looking know, my my local Albertsons. We're all great, uh, you know. High quality spirits are sold. Yeah, Albertsons. But I mean, my like my go to is is uh, you know I just you know I like Woodford Reserve and and uh, I like uh, 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 makers I like, both I like, bourbons. I like Jameson's. Yeah? I like Jameson. You're going to you're gonna laugh at me. I like Jameson when I'm following it with a shot of pickle juice. Oh, there it, you go. It's called a pickleback, and it's amazing. Until you try it, don't
1: there, complain. Well, right? I
2: don't know what it is. I'm not a chemist, but
1: the pairing of Jameson with pickle juice is amazing. Well, have you ever tried this sometime? If you're a tequila fan, mm-hmm. a really good shot of tequila... A really good ice-cold shot of orange juice and a really nice ice-cold shot of tomato juice. <laughs> wow. T-O-T. You do one of those, and I'll put a $100 bill on the table that within 10 minutes you'll have another one. <laughs> <laughs> and they will sneak up and pound you into the ground if you let them. So I'm, we used to do that.
4: When I used to bartend at Old Town Mix, we would mix up something that they called sangrita. Yeah. and there was a bunch of stuff in it yeah. but uh, mostly it was there was orange juice there was tomato yeah, but juice. See, you got to do these separate well no that's what we used to do and we would pour that out and people would chase shots of tequila with yeah, it I tell and,
2: you. yeah tasty
1: anyway well so this we're is having a gun show right? i know <laughs> what
2: happened, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so on august 18th we're having our summer picnic uh that is uh, every summer we like to just take over a spot and have a nice big party with some food rather than having meetings this month we're just going to have the summer picnic it's at mike's barbecue in escondido which is delicious wednesday night wednesday night uh you're gonna love it there's no there's no cover there's no cost just come on out we'll have light hors d'oeuvres and uh and then if you want to order a dinner or something more than welcome but you don't have to you're not required just come on out and meet a bunch of people and it's a good opportunity for folks in the south to meet folks in the north and meet folks in In the the middle yeah we're all gonna meet yeah it's kind of north but we'll meet kind of in the middle so come on out, check out our website for details, look at our email for details. Our Activist Update is out, and Moose, if you're out there, you want a shotgun, buddy. Um, we have a uh, tabletop uh, contest, people that work the tabletops, and Moose, you, you were the winner this month, so congratulations, and we mentioned that on the Activist Update. He won a shotgun? Won a shotgun. Yesterday, uh, we signed up 20 new members, thanks to uh, oh, yeah. John Becker and Moose. Thanks to uh, Jeff Malik, and thanks to uh, um, to Elliot, you guys are awesome. Could Where not were you guys at? They're all over. they were at a couple different uh, gun shops. Oh, and, so you're uh, just surrounding the counties? That's the right. Thing. We're d- yeah, exactly surrounding and and taking over. That's good. Well, hey, somebody's got to do it.
1: All so, right, hey,
2: let's take it. Well, no, we still got another minute. So yeah, but but check out the activist update. Go to our website. Check out our YouTube channel. There's a lot of a lot of good things going on. We had to say goodbye to Karen from Riverside. She. She moved out of state because of a job opportunity, which we're super sad about. She was running uh, Riverside County. Mm. But we have a couple of folks, one in Orange and one in Riverside, that are taking over, and uh,
1: and uh, we're, we're barreling forward. I can't wait. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio. Because coming up next, we're going to talk. Uh, this month's theme is medical. Yep. So we're going to have a very special guest on. From Trauma Pack. Don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961,
4: AM 1170. The Answer. Ofer Lichtman from Trauma Pack is here to talk about an often neglected aspect of gun ownership which is medical training.
1: No kidding. Hey, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Gun owners should have coverage for the legal battles after your self-defense battle. And well, while you protect your family and property, US Law Shield is here to defend you 24/7. 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price bad guys don't take days off and neither does our coverage guess what gun owner radio listeners you can get a free t-shirt when you join use promo code gun owners radio at uslawshield.com all right we have our special guest on the line how's it going hey how are you doing sir very good thanks for having me
2: i want to make sure we got your name right it's uh say your name for us <laughs> it's uh lichtman okay Perfect, good they we did, did right? good <laughs> excellent we got it and you're yeah. from trauma pack right that's correct and yeah. tell us about trauma pack
5: not uh, sure well um trauma pack is a uh, first responder owned uh we're all firefighter paramedics uh we have law enforcement and uh some uh, veterans And we started uh, an effort to uh, start with our peers. So we were teaching our peers uh, response to trauma and high threat events, such as active shooter bombings, terrorist attacks, how to respond to that. And we naturally saw that the reality is that we are never going to be first on scene. And and that's something that uh, a lot of folks in our industry are failing to recognize, that um, there's a delay in response, and there's a delay in how fast we get there, and even when we get there, it doesn't mean we're there to save lives. Initially, we're there to eliminate a threat. That's specifically for law enforcement. So we were on this journey of educating our peers, and uh, realized that we have to also be doing the right thing and that's educating the public and the community to be the ones that are kind of buying us time and doing all those stopgap measures until we get on scene Uh, to buy us time so we can, you know, um, initiate more advanced care. So there's a lot of things that can be done to help save lives early on by civilians. And our goal is to to teach that. And we naturally got into um, making products and putting together really high-end trauma kits that we call Trauma Pack. um, And uh, we we love doing it. So we've been making trauma packs all over the country. We ship them all over the world now. And uh, it's a lot of fun.
2: So calling it a first aid kit is nowhere near, <laughs> that sounds like it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, an understatement to say the least.
5: Right. And and that's one of those, uh, you know, old uh, wise tales of, oh, yeah, I have a first aid kit in the house, so small Band-Aids and tweezers, and you always felt like you had this security blanket just because someone had a first aid kit around. Well, you realize, and, and we actually really try to follow the data and look at what kills someone in trauma, and specifically, what are the things that you can do in a trauma that is actually fixable? And we call those things, what are preventable death injuries? So our Mm. kits, and there's a lot of other great companies out there that do the same, but our kits specifically treat preventable death injuries, that that there's something that you can actually fix. Those are the items we put in our kits. We don't have tweezers. We do have some kits that have all those plus the extra nice to have that we call boo-boo kits. But a first aid kit would be that. It's a boo boo kit. It's band aids. It's you know tweezers. A little bit of burn cream. But it's not meant to save your life from you know ex- uh, extreme hemorrhage or uh, collapsed lung or so forth.
2: My gosh! So, and that sounds like it's probably the most, the most common preventable death would be bleeding, bleeding out. Right? so?
5: So bleeding out is one of the the four most preventable. Yes, and. It actually is the one that has the most attention because it is so easy to fix. Hmm. Um, a lot of the data that we initiated uh, to, that we based, excuse me, based our, our, our training on and we based how we build our kits was originally from the military because they keep the most data in the world for uh, injuries and injury patterns and how to fix them. And that was what initially was told to everyone is, hey, bleeding is the number one preventable cause of death. Now, the reason the bleeding was told to be number one is if you envision a soldier, um, they're uh, they're wearing ballistic armor on their chest, they have a helmet, and they're usually behind cover when they engage in in combat. So a lot of the areas that end up being injured, especially from IEDs, is the extremities. So Mm -hmm. of course, that's where most of the death comes from is these extremity traumas where if you stop the bleeding in the extremities they would obviously survive so the data from the military shows that yes bleeding is the number one preventable cause of death but i want you to kind of twist that and realize that hey in in the civilian world which what we are dealing here stateside no one is wearing body armor when they go to the movies uh you know that's as recent as a week ago right you're not going to go to corona and watch a movie with a bulletproof vest or helmet And the easiest place to shoot someone is the torso. So what we are finding is that in a civilian population, the number one cause of preventable death is chest trauma. Wow. And then after that is extremity bleeding. Yes.
2: Okay, so you said there's four total or four four most common. Uh, Severe hemorrhage or or bleeding out is one. Two is chest trauma. What's three and four?
5: Yeah, so three and four was going to be um, airway compromise. So um, people that go lose blood, for example, and, or have a head injury and they go unconscious, if they're laying flat, we find that um, they lose control of their, the back of their tongue. And if there's again, flat, it's going to fall back onto their airway uh, and they'll suffocate. And within a few minutes, it's irreversible and they'll be dead. So there's simple things a civilian can learn. Uh, whether it's putting them on their side or opening their airway with some techniques with their hands or in some cases if they have to walk away there is uh, a tool that we can we can use uh, that's a nasal pharyngeal airway just to maintain their airway as you walk away but simple techniques like that and then the last item which is the most uh, uh un- the one that everybody forgets is hypothermia so even in our uh beautiful weather here in california and I know you guys are in San Diego truly have the best weather in the country, but even at an average of 72 degrees outside, sunny, um, you put someone that has bled out on the street, even if the ground is hot, you know, this time of day, their core body temperature will drop, which will lead to this vicious cycle that's called trauma's lethal triad. And what that means is as you bleed out, you lose your ability to clot because you're losing your body temperature Um, and because the blood actually moves around body heat too, not just oxygen. So if you lose your body temperature, you lose your ability to clot, and it makes you bleed more. As you bleed more, you, again, lose more of your ability to clot because you become acidic, and it's this vicious cycle. So the only way to stop it is by keeping them warm and giving them blood. So what you can do is keep them warm. So in our kits, we have things for um, major bleeding. We have things for airway. We have things for the chest injuries for the collapsed lungs. And then we have uh, things for, um, uh, hypothermia.
2: That's interesting. I didn't know that. So the, the, and again, those, those are the four most common preventable, uh, injuries that would result in death.
5: Right. And and again, there's a lot of injuries that, um, people go, well, how can we not treating a head injury? Uh, you know, if someone has a major bullet to the head and they're unconscious, well, we know from the data that someone who is not breathing has no pulse and is shot in the head. It doesn't matter. What trauma kit you have, or if you have a surgeon right there as there's some injuries that are not preventable death so they're not going to survive a type of injury you know straight to the heart straight mm-hmm. to the head uh, so those are injuries we don't uh, we, we teach in our classes these are the patients you don't treat um, and you know when you talk about training it's not just getting a trauma kit and you know watching a couple of videos like we, we put a lot of videos online uh, there's really there's something about Sitting down in a class and learning the differences of hey, this is a major bleed, this is a non-major bleed, this is a bleed you would treat first, this is one that you would treat second, or even hey, this person has bled so much that it's irreversible, they're going to die. And if you only have one tourniquet and you have to choose between this person who has bled a ton of blood and this person who's bled less blood, they both need a tourniquet, those are the decisions we teach in our classes. Um, that you wouldn't just learn by watching, you know, an Instagram video. The decision-making model is is what's really important. Mm-hmm.
2: That's,
4: that's well, interesting. I, actually, Ofer, uh, I wanted to go uh, back up just for a second. You talked about uh, sure. hypothermia, which um, actually is is something that, that we do see out here because we've got mountains out here, and uh, we used to see back in the days when I used to do search and rescue stuff, we would see a lot of that because people – come from down here from the city where it's, you know, 80 degrees in right. the winter time and they get up there and they're not prepared and they don't realize how cold it gets. But the other thing that we see here a lot in this time of year is hyperthermia because uh, hiking is really yeah. big out here and especially in the East County. And it's, um, you know, it's not uncommon to be around hundred degrees out here this time of year. And, uh, we see a lot of that. Do you guys address that too in your, um, your material?
5: We do. And, you know, specifically when it comes to trauma in our industry where we see people dying from the hyperthermia and specifically from trauma is actually the canine community. So if you look at um, a lot of folks that have dogs, whether they're working dogs or not, you work a dog to a point where their uh, core temperature rises above a certain degree and everybody knows their dog the best. Um, It's Again, it's irreversible. And th- that is actually one of the most preventable causes of death in canines, other than bleeding out, is, uh, is actually the hyperthermia for dogs. Mm. So in our, we have a canine kit, and we make sure we have uh, flexible thermometers and all those, so that way the, the, the handler can always check the temperature of the canine. But we, in the trauma setting, specifically, you, you hardly ever see hyper, um, you see more of a hypo, and that's one of those preventable ones. I had, I on to, the
2: trauma side. I used to have a Belgian Malinois, and uh, we went hiking one, one day out in the desert, and the next day he was limping, and I, I thought maybe he injured himself, took him to the vet, and he had burned his pads on the on the, uh, on the the sand. And with dogs, they don't tell you. Like, they're so tough, you know? They don't show any right? pain. I felt horrible. Yeah. To this
1: day, I feel horrible. Anytime I see somebody walking a dog in 100-degree weather <laughs> on the asphalt, I will roll the window down and say, Take your shoes and socks off and walk with your dog. Well, you know that I i, I didn't know there was a can- – the reason I bring the canine kit up is my wife shows championship roddies and Dachshunds, and okay. she goes all over the place to show these dogs, and nothing freaks her out when she knows she has to show the – especially the roddies in 80-plus degree weather. I am definitely going to get a kit for her to take with her with her – when she goes to dog shows, because I think that's that's huge.
5: Oh, uh, excellent. Well, and then specifically with dogs, and you know, I, I wasn't planning on talking about canines, but it, it's all fair game. There is always subtle hints, right? So dogs will give us hints with their breathing patterns, oh, yeah. how they, you know, their tongue is hanging out. It's all a way for them to cool because they can't cool through the skin like we do. That's right. But they use their tongue.
1: Oh, yeah. My wife, will. she could have a whole show just on that that alone. All right, well, don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to keep our special guest on for another segment right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM
3: 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to
1: Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 am 1170 the answer hey by the way all you youtube fans big shout out dr exotic and bb thanks for watching and you two guys now get on the phone and tell all your friends hey blackhound optics accurate affordable guaranteed sporting optics that go the distance backed by customer service that goes that extra mile great guys great products and a great company that is making opticals afford optics affordable on top of quality optics, they pay very close attention to the customer experience. Did you know their scopes come with mounts? So you don't have to worry about finding one that fits. We are so excited to have them on as official partners of the show. Ask for them at your local gun store, or you could just go online to blackhoundoptics.com. All
2: right, we're talking to Over Lickman from Trauma Pack. Uh, so, talk a little bit about your background. I kind of kind of skipped over it a little bit. You said uh, that the company is run by first responders.
5: Yeah. So I uh, uh, I started in the EMS actually when I was 14 years old uh, in Israel. We um, started volunteering on ambulance and just fell in love with the uh, industry of EMS. And when I moved to the states, uh, continued that passion and. I work now as a firefighter paramedic uh, here in Southern California, and uh, it's my full-time job. And then my other full-time job is the uh, the CVO of uh, TraumaPack. So uh, definitely uh, do a lot of the medicine and use everything that I uh, put out there, and uh, all our guys do. So it's it's uh, always fun to to so, try and research new things and put it out there. So
2: you grew up in in Israel. That's correct Is, yeah. is first aid uh, is there a, a bigger emphasis on, on first aid and, and uh, you know, trauma in Israel than there is in the United States from your perspective?
5: So uh, let me give you an example, uh, and I could kind of summarize it. If you see someone get injured in the States, um, this was my experience coming here as a young, uh, young adult, they'd be laying on the street with no one typically helping for a while until someone helps. There's that, you know, human reaction where everybody jumps in after that. But in Israel, where I grew up, it is so embedded in the culture of helping one another, especially when someone's hurt, that we as first responders would have to push people away that were trying to help uh, because they would get in the way. So it is really part of the culture of since you're a youth to volunteer and help, uh, and then with uh, folks doing military service or any type of volunteer service where you're learning uh, these skills, uh, you tend to have a culture of resilience that people want to be involved and help. That's interesting.
2: So is that a culture you're hoping to, to change?
5: And, and I think we are in, in a certain way. I mean, we've, uh, in the city I, I work in, um, we've trained over 10% of our population through the fire department I'm with. Wow. Uh, and then with with my, my company, um, we've reached pretty big numbers too. We've almost trained, uh, as far as Riverside City, or excuse me, county, we've done uh, already half the teachers in that county with a plan to do the, another half next year. So we, we try to take kind of this approach where we start from teachers because then we can impact the schools, and then as they grow up and then we do the, the children, then they go out into the community and they kind of take that with them. So I think it's definitely something we can make contagious.
2: You know, well, the first air-to-air kill in the War for Independence in Israel was by a uh, pilot named Gideon Lichtman. You're not uh, related, are you? No, no.
1: <laughs> Long shot. So how's the response, hey. in, how's so to speak? response in your community uh, when you offer these classes? I mean, do you have no problem filling them?
5: Right, so in two, I'll talk about two different things. And through, So there's, there's um, a – call-to-action called Stop the Bleed. So Stop the Bleed was a national campaign that really focused only, though, on that hemorrhage piece that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So they kind of missed the ball where instead of saying, hey, let's focus on all these preventable death things, they focused on what they thought was the most popular and catchy one, which was hemorrhage control. So they started this initiative teaching Stop the Bleed, and that has been great. What we've done in in my city and now throughout the country with, with trauma path is we teach all those four things. But since you have a group with you, why not also teach them survival techniques for for active shooter, high threat events, and also um, how to recognize these precursors. So our classes focus on before, during, and after a high threat event. Meaning before an event, if you're in a business, how do you recognize precursors? If you're uh, in the community, how do you recognize precursors? Then if something happens, what are your best best chances to survive? And then if you are injured or your friend is injured, what you should do to, to save them.
2: Now, as far as first aid and especially, uh, uh, you know, reacting to a severe trauma, what's a, what's a myth or a misconception that needs to be corrected?
5: Well, I think there's the two biggest myths uh, in the trauma and, and something we've all as educators are trying to demystify is people will say, oh, I don't need a tourniquet because i have a and they'll fill it with a belt a rope a bungee cord because they sat somewhere in a movie or someone's friend told them that oh when i was in the military i used the belt that is one of the worst myths that has affected saving lives and the reason is and i'll explain it very simply is a belt is it's obviously intended to hold your pants up it has holes every so often but let's just take the most simple leather belt that you can go through the buckle and pull back on itself If by chance you are able to have a wide enough belt, and data shows you need at least an inch and a half width for a tourniquet, so let's just say it's an inch and a half belt, you're able to pull it back on itself with mechanical advantage and actually slow down the bleeding. The problem is you have no effective way of holding it in that position other than literally not letting go for 20, 30, 40 minutes until they get to a surgeon. It's just not going to happen. No one can hold a belt like that. So then people think they stop it for a second and then they try to tuck it in something and automatically it loosens up. The reality is belts are not effective and neither are a lot of improvised tourniquets. So we have to learn to just rely on, on the quality gear out there. So tourniquets that are commercial, that have a windlass rod, that have a way to lock in place, that's what's effective. Sure, if you have nothing and you're waiting for someone to bring you a real tourniquet and you have nothing, of course, you just, something improvised, but don't rely on improvising. Make sure you're prepared. And I would say the second biggest myth that we're always finding is um, in all these wild tales. People will say, oh, um, if you have a bullet hole, you can stick a tampon in it. That's, again, one of those myths that every couple of years comes back to life because either a celebrity or someone that has a lot of followers on social media will make a video and post it. Whether they're serious or not, these are myths that – catch legs and and people believe it, a a tampon is meant to absorb about 10 cc's of of blood um, and prevent, you know, all the issues with, you know, it's a feminine product. Well, if a bullet hole has a hole in the body that creates a cavity, we use uh, specifically gauze and even better so, hemostatic gauze. And what we're trying to accomplish is pressure in the cavity. A tampon doesn't create pressure. It's just basically like a seal and absorbs until it's full and then you replace it. What we're trying to do is create a, a high amount of pressure in a cavity when we pack a wound so that that way it reaches the vessel and occludes it and stops it from bleeding out. So those are two huge myths in addition to thinking that you can uh, buy a cheap kit uh, on a, maybe like a one of those uh, websites that, uh, that rhyme with... Uh, uh, it's Amazon, But uh, you're, if something is is too cheap and sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, there's unfortunately a lot of uh, fake products out there, whether it's a tourniquet or fake hemostatic agents, uh, or even if it is real, it's expired. So uh-huh. just be aware where you're buying your stuff.
1: So, over, let me ask you this. For somebody that, say, wants to keep a kit in their car, how many different levels do you sell? or do you just have like one kit for the car, one kit for the home. How how, do, how does how would somebody look at your site and figure out which one to get?
5: Well, uh, to be to be frank, if there's ever a question, we're always available to answer that if even through the site and if we're not uh not available, we'll get back to them. However, we broke it down into um, the uh, first responder community, civilian uh, kits, uh, off-roading wow. kits uh, and so forth. But it starts with uh, always a basic, a intermediate, and advanced. Um, basic, you would be able to literally buy it and, and again, take some kind of stop-the-bleed class, get some education through our Instagram, and at least have some common understanding of, oh, this is when I would use this. Uh, or if you're with someone that has the skill set, at least they have the equipment. Mm-hmm. But um, all our kits are meant for the public with the exception of our um, advanced uh, kits or our medic kits, which have uh, stuff that you need uh, um, uh, a prescription through a uh, medical director. So those are for our medics and advanced EMTs. But um, it will save that on. So all the advanced, the intermediate, and the basics are for civilians. The only ones that are not are, are the medic ones. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I took a lot of first aid classes as a Boy Scout in the 80s. And people, you know, maybe chuckle at that. But I got to tell you, the, the, so the first done. aid uh, training from, from the Boy Scouts was fantastic. And on top of that, our scoutmasters happen to be corpsmen in the, in the Navy. So you got a little extra, um, a little extra on top of, of the, the, you know, the basics, but the, uh, the technology for first aid has come so far, you know, the, the hemostatic sponges and powders and, products and mm-hmm. and the fact that you can buy you can just buy a tourniquet these days because right. i remember during first day training in the 80s they would spend a significant amount of time teaching you how to make a tourniquet mm-hmm. out of different things mm-hmm. right and one other thing that uh maybe i want to make sure that that we get this right it used to be that they'd say only apply a tourniquet if you knew the person was going to lose the limb and then that seems to have changed with uh with more experience and research What's, what's your, what's your take on that? What's, what, what's the real answer?
5: So that's, that's great. I appreciate bringing that up. So data and study after study and blood shed from battlefield has proven that you have at least two hours of a truly applied tourniquet correctly. So meaning it has stopped all circulation to a limb and for two hours, there'll be no damage to the limb. Mm. So if you think about where we are and how far we'll get to a trauma center, Um, If you put a tourniquet on someone, and it doesn't have to be if you think, oh, my God, they're bleeding so much, I can't stop it, it's a last resort. No, we now teach people that that is their first line, because if you just stop the bleeding, now you can back up, take a breath, reevaluate. Okay, now I have that patient over there, maybe this patient needs something else, I'll come back to him, but at least I stopped the bleeding, um, so you have two hours before any nerve damage
2: and that's a After lifetime two, hours, two you... hours is a lifetime. That's a lot of time
5: It's a lot of time But in the reality it could you know, it's like you said you're in the mountains in San Diego You have someone that has a you know uh, An injury it could be a hunting accident and that may be exactly what they need uh, But that's where we come in with the helicopters and so forth But that's how we save lives is knowing the data and, and knowing the technology.
1: What, what's your website offer?
5: Yeah, we are www.traumapack.com, and that's uh, with a -A P-A-K. All right. And uh, we would love to offer uh, your listeners 10% off with uh, using the code GUNOWNERSRADIO.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to reach back out to you because I'm here five hours, and my first hour is all off-road related. And I think your off-road kit would be awesome for the off-road listeners. So I'll be in touch with you during the week. And... We'll get you to call back in uh, next Sunday.
5: Sounds good. Thank you guys for what you do, and uh, stay safe. Stay prepared.
1: You got it. That's a great way to go. All right, folks. Hey, don't touch that dial. Stay with us. We're going to interview Christy Bruce Lane. Lane. Christy Bruce Lane. It says Lane. Somebody somebody fat-fingered it. A fat finger, but that's okay. Christy will be able to hook us up. She's running for assembly right here on Gun Owners Radio. FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy The Answer.
4: So Christy Bruce Lane is running for State Assembly District 77 and is here to let us know why gun owners should support her.
1: But first, we are so proud to have our good buddy John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group as our show sponsor. He has been with us since the day we started. And did you know Dillon Law is one of the attorneys on the Miller versus Bonta case? And if you have legal matters that involves firearms, then you need to call John. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws, 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. So as you guys all know, I run an organization
2: called San Diego County Gun Owners. We're all members and proud supporters. And uh, as you all, of course, know, I'm on the radio show Gun Owners Radio that you're listening to now. (laughs) And San Diego County Gun Owners does not endorse people, uh, candidates on the state or federal level. And Gun Owners Radio doesn't endorse people at all. Um, But this is the first time you've ever heard me say this. I personally am endorsing someone who's running for the assembly because I'm so impressed with her. Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed with uh, with her her campaign and her her chances of winning. You know, a lot of uh, districts are drawn up in such a way that one team or the other one is guaranteed to win. But she's in a district that's absolutely winnable. She's a outstanding candidate so i personally am endorsing christy bruce lane for uh, state assembly in district 77 we're going to have a fundraiser for her i'm going to have a fundraiser for her in a couple of couple of months here so i invited her on the show to, to introduce her to everybody and talk a little bit about her campaign christy are you there
6: yeah i'm here thanks for having me
2: you bet how are you doing
6: i'm doing well thank you
2: so let's talk a little bit about your background uh, where, do, where do you come from what, you, what, what what did you do before you were a candidate have you ever been elected to anything before
6: yeah, so I was born and raised in the Valley in Bakersfield in an agricultural family. Um, you know, I went away to school like we all do, uh, graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with uh, a couple, two or three majors, crop science, uh, nutritional science with a biotech background as well. And then uh, my background is mainly in agriculture and healthcare, and of course, uh, you know, as you grow older, I get a little wiser, and I, I, I work, you know, a lot in the community. I'm a part of many boards in the community, started my own foundation called the Thumbprint Project Foundation. And you come to a point in life, and you figure out, um, you know, and then I have a son, too. I had a child, and, then, and you just see the way uh, the community's going, the world's working, and it's just going in the wrong direction fast. And I'm not the type to let uh, grass grow under my feet, and uh, I knew I had to do something. I jumped out of the corporate world. Jumped headfirst into politics. I did win my last election in 2020, was elected as director uh, for the Levenhame Municipal Water Board, and, um, you know, now I'm running for assembly, and there's a lot of uh, things I want to accomplish in Sacramento. The dysfunction of Sacramento is hurting our families, hurting our kids, killing our elderly, and, um, you know, we are now in a position where we have to prove to the government on why we're allowed to exercise our freedom. It's not okay with me. So, Uh, What I am for is cutting taxes uh, for hardworking San Diego families, supporting those small businesses who are struggling because of the dysfunction of Sacramento, addressing the homeless crisis, um, advocating and legislating nursing home reform, advocating for school choice. And I want to take it a step farther and then protect our children, give them safe learning environments uh, behind those gates. And of course I am still running and always talking about ensuring clean and plentiful uh, drinking water for people for our farmers uh, to grow their crops, which feed us every day when we sit down at the dinner table at night, and the environment.
2: You know, I so I personally left the Republican Party not too long ago because I got sick and tired of them not being sick and tired of things. I mean, there are so many candidates, so many elected officials who are uh, uh, just don't stand up for anything. They, you know, a lot of a lot of platitudes and promises when they're running. But when 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 it comes down to it, and it comes down, you know, comes time for them to actually stand for something and make a statement, they just wouldn't. Um, you, when I heard you talk uh, years ago when you were running for the uh, the water board, when I've heard you uh, talk to uh, folks, um, you know, at, at other functions, the reason I was uh, very impressed and, and I'm excited about your campaign is that you've kind of. Uh, uh, maybe not necessarily shared the same frustrations about the Republican Party in general, but have shared those frustrations about uh, elected officials and, and, and have been very yeah. vocal about saying, hey, we need to stand up for things that people believe in. You know, and the Democratic Party, you know, say what you will about them. But, man, Democrats stand up for what they believe in. Um, and, uh, it seems like, uh, the, the other side of the aisle is uh, a little bit, uh, lax on that and I don't know why, but can you talk a little bit about that? Like when, if, and when you get elected into office, you know, how, how, how can you, uh, ensure to people that, yeah, you're going to stand up for the stuff that you believe in?
6: Yeah. So I see, I see the issues that we're dealing with today as not red or blue issues. Our water doesn't run red or blue issues I'm standing on. These are about the people And anybody who knows me, I'm passionate about the work I do in the community. I have the community experience, which separates me as a candidate. I have the professional background, which separates me as a candidate. And I have the political will to do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. But you're right. We do see elected officials that don't stand on what they're going to say they're going to do. I look at it this way. I've lost too much under the Sacramento function. I've already lost my father. And I'm not going to lose my child to the world and what's going on. So I will stand on my principles. I'm not afraid to do that. And, uh, you know, I put out a a newsletter with the uh, current elected uh, position I'm in right now to 25,000 individuals across all divisions of the water board. And I publish my vote. I let people know the way I vote and I let them know why. I'm just not afraid to do that. Um, I'm a pretty common sense individual. And I will stand on principle and I will protect the people and I will stand for the people. Like I said, these issues to me today are not red and blue.
2: These yeah, those are just basic those,
6: people issues.
2: Those are one of the things that really impressed me is that you publish you publish your own you publish your votes. You tell people, hey, this is how I vote on different issues. And believe it or not, you're you're kind of alone on that. There aren't a whole lot of people out there that do that. If they can hide their votes, they're they're happy to do it. Um, so I was really really happy to see you do that when you got into office. And uh, you know I think that's great. Let's talk a little bit about the district because. I think a lot of people out there don't get involved with, uh, with campaigns because they just don't think good things are ever going to happen. Your district right. is winnable, right?
6: Oh, yeah. It's a very viable district. Um, so I could talk about the split of it right now. So it's about 37% Dem, 29% Republican, and 33% no party, which is a shift because we're starting to see a lot more people choose. Hey, I'm not choosing one side or the other. They're starting to look for common-sense candidates at this point. So my district is basically now, this is on the backdrop, these lines will be redrawn sometime in January, but right now, if you look at the district, um, I have San Pascal Valley, a little bit of Rancho Santa Fe, Torrey Highlands, Carmel Valley, Sorrento Valley, Poway, Forest Ranch, Scripps Ranch, uh, down the 15, um, all the way to Montgomery Field, a little bit of UC area. I think if uh, the lines are going to be redrawn, uh, redrawn, I think it may just shift a little bit east-southeast a little bit. I may pick up a little bit of El Cajon-Santy. We're just not sure, but I don't think it's going to change too drastically. But in a nutshell, that's what it is. We have about 322,000 registered voters in that district alone.
2: So you were happy to get my my personal endorsement. I'm a big gun nut, people. That's, that's no secret. It's what I do for a living. We're going to do a fundraiser at a, at a, at a uh, gun range. Um you you I've never heard you back down from talking about second amendment issues in California. Um you're on Gun Owners Radio. Tell me why is it important for you to uh uh to talk about the second amendment and stand up for it?
6: Yeah, so I'll always stand for the second amendment. You know, the right to self-defense, I believe is a basic human right and uh gun ownership is a part of that right. Um I grew up uh you know in the valley in an agricultural family. I've grown to respect guns. I know to how to handle them. I'm not afraid of them. And, um, you know, we got to think about the laws that are coming down the pike right now are punishing gun owners that are responsible gun owners that aren't doing harm. And um, I don't believe in that. We have a right to defend ourselves. Um, So I stand wholeheartedly on the Second Amendment. Um, I won't back down from that because the government is not going to come in and protect you. And with the way that defund the police is happening right now, they're not going to get there in time. But I won't let anybody harm me or my family.
2: And I, you've, I've been really been impressed with uh, you've been very inquisitive on. There's so much nuance when it comes to California gun law. And a lot of folks, a lot of our members, many of our listeners, we're kind of in this bubble where we, we know every single little in-out and nuance. And you've been extremely inquisitive um, and asked very intelligent questions about the, the problems that gun owners have. Because. The, the problems we have don't make sense. You know, the, the laws that are uh, in California don't make sense. They're not, uh, they still make sense. So I, I really appreciate that. So, uh, so what, how can people help you or what's, what's your, what's the key to
6: success here? Well, the key to success is, you know, come and talk to me, get to know me. I'm willing to meet, you know, a coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I mean, I will meet, Large groups, small groups. I want people to hear from me, talk to me, so they know I'm a real person. I have real experience, and um, you know I'm willing to fight for the people. And the way you can help me is to donate today in any amount because it all adds up. And you can donate at ChristyBruceLane.com, and or host the fundraiser. I've got people contacting me all the time, and I'm very very grateful. Um, every penny counts in a race like this. This is a very viable seat. And I need you out there in the public and you need me in Sacramento.
1: What's your website?
6: www.risybruceblane.com.
1: Excellent. All right, Chrissy, thank you very, very much. And I see we have a mutual friend, Charger Steve, so that's always a good sign..
3: <laughs>
1: <Great>. <laughs> All right, We're gonna take a quick break, but before I go, stick around because the next segment is Joe Germisi and Gunsight CEO Ken Campbell. Right here on Gun Owners Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer.
0: Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego.
1: All right, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170.
2: The Answer. We're excited to have Ken Campbell, CEO of Gunsight Academy,
1: rejoin the show right after this. But first, maybe you heard of Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Well, his company was banned because he stood against the cancel culture mob. What happened to MyPillow is not right. Our freedom of speech is just as important as our freedom of self defense. We are thrilled to support an American company like MyPillow. Go to mypillow.com and use a promo code FREEMARKET3 and get up to 66% off America's best pillows. Get a great night's sleep and enjoy the satisfaction of supporting companies fighting against cancel culture. That's MyPillow.com, and use the code FREEMARKET3 for up to 66% off. All
4: right, so uh, we have uh, Ken Campbell with us. Comrade Campbell, are you out there?
7: Hey, hey! Free America calling! Free America calling! All John right. has a long mustache, just like D-Day.
4: <laughs> all right, welcome to the People's Republic. So, um,
7: fortunately, I'm I'm in Free America. I'm in Arizona. So,
4: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, you were feeling under the weather last time I talked to you. You uh, all recovered and happy uh,
7: again? Oh yeah, yeah! I, I got my uh, my mute button ready to push here because I, I had a little bout with COVID. Um, my wife and I did, we had basically the flu for about a day and a half, but we got onto the hy- uh, hydrochloric one and, and it, uh, it, it worked for us and I, I was back at it for a week. So got a little bit of fatigue and again, I hack a little bit, but oh, well, you know, it's the life, life's better than I deserve.
4: I thought you always hacked,
7: you? <laughs> but,
4: um, pardon me. <laughs> I thought you always hacked, but,
7: uh, yeah, well, I, I kind of do, but. Cigars and bourbon usually cure it.
4: So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. You, uh, if you'd have caught the uh, first uh, few minutes of the show, we were talking a little bit about that. I think uh, Michael discovered his favorite new whiskey.
7: Yeah, Campfire by uh, oh. by High West. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to write that one down and uh, and uh, look for it at the store.
4: So yeah, we're uh, talking about that too because I think I'm I'm uh, rediscovering bourbon now. So I'm uh, I've been been dealing with Buffalo Trace and uh, and I was telling you my wife. Um, Got me a bottle of Blanton's for uh, my birthday, so um, so that was God working Blantons. out really well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
7: Yes, it is. So hey, Ken, that, that's my uh, that's my holiday bourbon. You know, one for the special occasions is Blanton's.
4: And that's what I'm thinking. If I, you know, I only have one birthday a year, so I'm I'm thinking that that's okay. I can we're going on
2: bourbon that. again. I know. What's <laughs> up with the Show's getting better and better. Better and better. <laughs> all right, all
4: right. Back to it. So, Ken, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, you being from uh, Free America and all right now, uh, a lot going on in that Arizona area. And I, w- I wanted to ask you, you know, your feel for, um, you know, how are the people looking at that? Like, you've got the, uh, that audit that's going on about the election and, um, you know, all the threats from D.C. about gun ownership and all the things that, you know, the president wants to ban now and everything. What's the feel in, there, in your area? Because, you know, you're plugged in, obviously, with all the gun owners that way.
7: Well, you know, we live up in in northern Arizona uh, in the Prescott area, and that's uh, it's very different than Maricopa County, than Phoenix. Uh, the demographics there are very different. It's a it's a more liberal community there, um, but that's where the audit's going on, and and it's it's very very polarized. Uh, it, it's it's uh, folks are either very much for it or very much against it. The board of supervisors in Maricopa County are are fighting the uh, state Senate every step of the way that they can. You know, I, I'm just an old country sheriff, but uh, uh, I always thought that sunlight was a good thing. And uh, the more you can bring things out in daylight, uh, the better off you are. So why fight them? Uh, let them do their audit and get this done and, and see where we are. But uh, it, it's very polarized down in Maricopa County, but up in, in Yavapai County, up in the Prescott area, it's, uh, I think the public very much wants to see this audit and get get the smoke blown away.
4: Yeah, and that's what um yeah. what, that's what we would hope it would be anyway. And you guys, you know, at GunSight, you get students from all over the country that come out there basically. And you know, these are gun people. These are serious people that take the time and, and the expense and everything to come out and train with the best at GunSight. And um what do you hear from people around the country about just again the political climate, the threats to the Second Amendment, that kind of stuff because we have kind of a skewed view out here. Um, you know, being in California,
7: but we're seeing a lot of California residents, uh, they, they come, come over and and are taking classes because just like other folks around the country, um, the, the folks that are more liberal minded are coming to the realization that the world may not be the the rainbows and unicorns that they once thought it was, and they need to uh, learn how to protect themselves. And maybe these gun laws aren't, uh, aren't such good things. I've heard from, uh, from some folks in California. Matter of fact, that they decided they wanted to go buy a gun and they went in. It's like, wait, what do you mean? Wait. What do I have to wait for? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an honest person. So some of those folks are waking up, uh, with us. Uh, we think it's an opportunity, uh, when we can train these folks up to, uh, bring them from the dark side, if you will. And, uh, but we're seeing again, more and more of these folks that are not traditional gun owners are becoming gun owners. And they're recognizing these laws uh, are here to protect them, not the gun, not the anti-gun laws, but the, the Second Amendment type laws.
4: Yeah, and you know we hear that too from uh, a lot of the shop owners around here. Um, you know, talking about the new people, the first-time gun owners, uh, and uh, when they go in to buy that gun, uh, a lot of them are shocked at what it goes through because they've been listening for years how easy it is to get a gun. Everybody's got guns. And then they go in and they run into the, you know, our 10 day waiting period and the background checks and all that. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of shock over that kind of stuff.
7: Right. And, and we hear that echoed as well, um, from the California residents, but again, folks from all over the country, uh, come here to gun from, from coast to coast. Uh, and, uh, uh these folks are, are just very uh, becoming more and more pro gun. The ones that before would not have had one. We see folks. We do private classes also, and we're seeing some of that where it's folks that are not gun people, and we think they just want to stay within their own clan so that other people don't know they're taking gun training because of their former background um, as being uh, anti-gun.
2: Yeah, I can't. I just had lunch today with a with a with a couple who wants to get more active with uh, San Diego County gun owners. And uh, they talked about how they really don't talk about the fact that they're gun owners in most of their social circles. Um, you know, that's something we're trying to change. I think it's, it's crucial. It's a crucial thing to, to change is,
7: is that sneaking is. around. And they, they need, we need to get the word out that we're the mainstream people, right? not the people that are the antis. Um, we got some folks that, you know, they, they don't want to have their picture taken when they're here. They don't want to be in the class photo. Uh, because of that. But that, that's when they need to step up and say, no, I, I'm I'm America. I, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen and I'm exercising my rights. Uh, so shame on you if you can't, if you can't, we can't agree to disagree on it. Um, there's nothing wrong with you and I, you know, as neighbors, if you don't want to have a gun, that's fine. But don't don't punish me uh, because I do want to exercise my rights. Well- and these folks need to step up and stand up
2: it's true people assume that joe and dave and i do this radio show because we're extremely good looking and we don't mind putting it out there but it's actually more than that it's not we're not just pretty faces you know you have to stand up for what you believe in
7: well i heard you guys have faces for radio (laughs) (laughs)
1: ah yes we do
7: (laughs) hi-ho so we're just we're just plugging along here with folks and we do everything we can i I spent the last two evenings at friends of the NRA dinners here in the area. Uh, They're uh, well well attended. It's great seeing those back again. You know, with COVID, uh, uh, without the COVID restrictions like we had a year ago. So it's good being around these great like minded people.
2: Now, are you a shotgun instructor? Is that is that you know is that a part of your expertise?
7: Um, Well, I don't know that I'm an expert about it, but that's one of the things I can teach here. Yes, Uh, we're seeing more and more folks uh, in classes in shotgun classes, and more and more folks with revolvers in classes. Uh, We think some of that is that uh, people are thinking that, well, if they're going to restrict guns, those may be the ones they don't restrict as quickly. We're seeing a lot of shotguns.
2: On the other side of the commercial, I want to ask you some shotgun questions.
1: Okay, I'm good for that. All right, right, cool. So let's take a quick break. We're going to bring him back again, so don't go anywhere, folks. Ken will be with us shortly on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961.
2: AM 1170,
1: The Answer. Hi, right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170, The Answer. BRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military looking for help with a VA loan? Or maybe if you're looking to buy, refi, or just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. So we're on with Ken Campbell. Ken, here's my
2: shotgun question. Okay. So a lot of folks uh, that use, which I'm a huge fan of shotguns. I think that uh, people are buying too many ARs and not enough shotguns. Uh, I know a lot of people that have multiple ARs and zero shotgun. I think that's a mistake. I love shotguns. I think they're, they're really, really great. Um, so a lot of people use shotguns for self-defense. And do you recommend, you know, they use the, you know, double lot uh, uh, buck, which has, you know, nine little, little, little shot balls in it. Um, typically
7: 32 caliber pellets.
2: D- now, typically do you recommend the flight control?
7: Uh, I'll tell you what I do. Uh, back, uh, again, when I was a baby cop, we were issued Remington eight seventies and Smith and Wesson model fifteens and, and we took care of business with it. Um, uh, then then you got into where uh, you were really starting to get serious about patterning your shotgun, making sure you, you're you responsible for each one of those 9.32 caliber pellets when you send it down range. Uh, right? The bad guy's name's on the front, your name's on the back, and there's a contrail with a whole bunch of attorneys' uh, names <laughs> in that contrail following those pellets, right? So uh, uh, we started getting serious about patterning, and that's when, like, VanComp systems and so on, they started doing serious work on getting guns to— to tighten up, and then Federal Flight Control came out, and man oh man, it uh, I don't know what voodoo magic they use, uh, but it, it works, and it keeps a nice tight pattern and lets you get a little more distance uh, with that uh, with that double-op buck pattern, and, and that's crucial, because again, we're responsible for each one of those pellets we send downrange.
2: Now, so here's my question about that, and this is truly uh, from a perspective of total ignorance. I really I, I don't know this answer. And I'm looking for someone like yourself uh, who knows more than I do about this to, to give me their perspective. Um, why aren't we using slugs for, for self-defense and shotguns if, you know, if we're looking for that tight, tight pattern and you know, all the myths about shotguns, you, know, you don't have to aim. You know, none of that's true. You get a nice, tight pattern. If we're doing that, why aren't we just using slugs?
7: Well, you've been listening to Joe Biden again, right? Just step out on the porch with that double-barrel shotgun. And, <laughs> right. right. So, anyway, um, slugs are great. You know, a 12-gauge slug is a one-ounce, three-quarter-inch flying doorknob of death. Uh, it, it does a tremendous job on on stopping a, a, a lethal threat at you. But it also, you may have some penetra- over-penetration issues with that. Um, with the double-op buck, um Again, you've got nine pellets in there. They're thirty-two caliber. Um, I, I, I can't disagree with using either. Back in my cop days, I carried all slugs in my gun. I wanted to be responsible for one bullet. I didn't want to be responsible for all nine. Um, I, I knew what, how my gun was patterned. So I can argue both sides of this. Um, the the uh, double-op buck is very devastating. When it hits somebody, and it, it is very apt to stop the fight right then and there. But then again, so is that 12-gauge slug. So um, the advantage of the slug is you're going to have greater distance. right? Once, once you exceed, even with Federal Flight Control, once you're exceeding 10, 15 yards, those 932 caliber pellets are going to be bigger. The pattern is going to be bigger than, let's just call it a paper plate as opposed to your face. Because right? once, once it exceeds that target area, those pellets are missing, and they're going into that busload of nuns and orphans uh, that's driving down the road. With the slug, you're, it's, it's one bullet. So you don't have to worry about your your range. That is, at, well, at 12 yards, this gun, uh, I, I'm good. But once I hit about 14, 15 yards, I've got to do a select slug drill and get a slug in the gun and, and that double-op buck out. So it, it depends on how serious you want to be about it, how hard you want to train. Uh, but shotguns are are wonderful uh self defense weapons.
2: and and last last yeah. shotgun question have you do you have any experience i think it's winchester has this i think it's p d x defender something like that but it's it's uh a slug and then three little uh three little uh thirty two caliber uh, pellets um any experience with that is that is that you know is that a gimmick or is that good or i
7: i, I can't speak to that i've not shot it okay. but um simpler is better um do you really know what the pattern's going to be without smaller slug and those little balls? Why, why why pick one or the other? Yeah. You've got nine thirty two caliber balls. You know exactly how it's going to pattern. If you pattern your gun properly or you've got that slug that you know where it's going to go. So when you start uh, mixing things up here, that, that just complicates the problem.
4: All right, I appreciate it. Great perspective. That's great. Learned so much out here, too. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Ken, I'm going to be, um, going to be out to see you here in October for the gas match, and uh, that is such a cool event. And uh, could you say a few words about that there for people that may not right. know what that is?
7: The Gunside Alumni Shoot is a, uh, a shooting match. You have to be Gunside Alumni to attend, but it's an all day shooting match. Our great instructors donate their time, their travel. We donate the ranges. And the monies we raise, 95% of it goes to the Jeff Cooper Legacy Foundation, which is a 501c3 run by the the uh, Cooper's daughters and granddaughter. They give scholarships. And then about 5% of the money goes to the Yavapai County Friends of the NRA dinners. I was just at those the last two nights where we donate prizes and guns and so on. So it's an all-day shooting match. It's people you've been in classes with. It's instructors you have you've had before. Our, our term for it is, it's a social engagement slightly interrupted by gunfire. Um, but we've got, the pro- everybody wins great prizes. Crimson Trace is a ten dollars to $15,000 prize sponsor. Um, VanComp, Remington, Glock, Smith & Wesson, um, and, and on and on and on. We, we have great relationships with our, with our uh, industry partners, and our prize table is full, so everybody wins cool prizes.
4: Yeah, and it's it such the a great first Saturday event. in October. And uh, first
7: Saturday in October, the weather's good. It's just fun.
4: Yeah, and it's beautiful out there. the uh, The match is a lot of fun. The prize table is outstanding, and uh, it's just a really overall <clears throat> great event. The other thing too, um, I'll, I'll be out to see you in April. Actually, uh, my wife and I are coming out, I, I, and uh, I just saw
7: that paperwork go through. I keep track of you. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> somebody's I'm got forward.
4: to. Well, I'm looking forward to it because uh, she's going to do a PCC class, which um, which is great because I, I got her one of those for uh, Christmas. I got her a Ruger PCC, and uh, and she's just psyched up about it. She's having fun shooting it, and I thought while she's out there, I'll do the uh, close quarter combat pistol class because uh, I want to do that. First, but you but you guys have close quarter so- good.
7: Ibuprofen will be your friend, just so you know. <laughs>
4: Oh, uh, I know you guys have so much to offer. There's so many classes out there. Uh, Say a little bit about what Gunsight's got.
3: Well,
7: uh, our website Gunsight.com, G-U-N-S-I-T-E.com, has got all our classes. But we offer a variety of levels of pistol, carbine, rifle, shotgun, long-range rifle. We have classes out to 2,400 yards. We do uh, this coming week. We've got ladies' pistol, where some ladies just don't want to learn with men in class. We've got what's called BRAVE, Ballistic Response Against Violent Encounters. And that's some street crimes, home defense, uh, vehicle defense, some grappling, some, some trauma med. It's some real good, real-world uh, training along in there. Um, our advanced classes start with the 250 pistol. Um, we've just got a little bit of everything here. We've got TAC med classes. I know you guys are going to be talking about that, or you have been this month. Uh, our tactical medicine class began uh, with the military Uh, 20 years ago, and it was a five-day class uh, based on wartime model. Now our tactical medicine class is based on active shooter. It's a two-day model. It's taught by trauma uh, doctors uh, and paramedics. Uh, It's real-world stuff. Uh, I don't want to call it wilderness medicine, but it would apply to that as well. But how do you keep your buddy alive for an hour or two until the cavalry can get there to help?
4: And that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was going to ask you about that because when I was browsing through, um, you know, I got my wife signed up for the PCC class and I'm, I'm looking around saying, okay, what else is going on that week that I can take? And, uh, and I did notice the, um, that two day uh, medical trauma class, which wasn't scheduled the same week I'm going to be out there, but I uh, thought uh, that was great. I hadn't noticed that out there before. And you're yeah, saying? It,
7: we, it, try to, we, we try to do it on the weekend so you can kind of sandwich it, uh, either the front end or the back end of a class. Uh, but it's it's uh, very popular.
2: So brave ballistic response against, against
7: violent en- encounters. That's awesome. Now is
2: that is that your program or is that like a particular curriculum?
7: Well, it's a it's a, a curriculum that some of our staff members wrote a few years back, and it continues to evolve. You know, we you know we uh, try to run faster and jump higher as we see changes we need to make. There's uh, also in that class. There's force on force, simunitions type things. So you're actually uh, working against a thinking uh, adversary. Uh, uh, we've got Brave coming up this week, and it's so popular, we even made an enhanced ver- version called Brave Two.
4: Yeah, and I think that's been and on my we Well, because I, I took the uh, 350 class with the instructor, or one of the instructors that came up with the Brave course, and I can't recall his name right
7: now, but. Uh, 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 Bob just, Whaley or Jay Tuttle or
4: um, no, I want to say it was probably Bob. Bob Whaley
7: or Jay Tuttle. Yeah, yeah probably and, Bob Whaley. Uh, he was—he's the author of it.
4: Yeah, and he was telling us about it in class, and it just sounded great. So that's another one that's on my list for coming out there.
7: It's—it's it, absolutely real world stuff. That—that's what it's based on. Not that 250 pistol and 350 aren't, but this setup is—you know—that scenario based stuff. So they are. You're working around vehicles. You're working around. We set up uh, fake ATMs. We set up home defense so that uh, it gives you a lot to think about and plan when you do go home.
4: And, and that stuff's a lot of fun, too. I know in the 350 class, just a little bit of force on force we had in there was just, that was my first exposure to that. And that's just a blast. And I think they do more of that in the Brave class. Is that
7: right? They do. That's correct. We'll either use simunitions or we'll use airsoft, depending on uh, what we need to do, how we read the class.
1: All yeah. right, Ken. Hey, unfortunately, we got to go. It's always a joy talking to you.
7: Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you guys. You just Give, give us a call anytime. Uh, come out and see us again. You know we love seeing you.
1: All right, buddy. Hey, folks, next segment, Sunday is Gun Day. Stick around for more with Gun Talk Radio right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring ten, ten partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of two-way advocates, offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn a whole lot more by going to National concealed Carry Association.com. Hey, so you know we were talking about picklebacks, Jameson and a shot of, of pickle juice. I knew we were coming I know. back. I <laughs> to... we were coming
2: back to whiskey again. So Carla up at she runs uh, she's helping us run Riverside County gun owners. Carla brought up the the fact that she really likes screwball risk whiskey, which is uh, the peanut butter flavored. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. delicious. What? Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's so delicious. I don't care. It's delicious. I love it. Well, it if you're eating, drinking pickle juice. I well, think so that's the thing. I love pickle and peanut butter sandwiches. You I'm do starting not. to wonder.
1: Nobody eats pickle and peanut butter sandwiches. I
2: eat pickle and peanut butter sandwiches. What kind of
1: pickle? Uh, whatever. Dill?
2: Uh, t- can be? Oh my lord. Yeah, it can be the, you know, the bread and butter, the sweeter one. Depends that, on the depends, depends on my mood.
4: That just that just sounds uh just, just sounds fraught with danger. It's like yeah. drinking Boone's farm when you were a kid.
2: <laughs> Boone's farm. You probably like Boone's House, farm hey, too. Hey, you know what? <laughs> The Boone's Farm is kind of a strawberry with yeah. the with the peanut butter whiskey. Uh, you got a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
1: How
4: sick can you get?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. How, how about Thunderbird? Are you a Thunderbird wine fan I don't know that one. With Mad spruik? Dog. You remember Mad Dog? I remember dog? Mad Dog. Oh, yeah. I remember Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Mad dog. <laughs> Always straight off bourbon. Oh, yeah. We, Way yeah off. we Yeah, right straight to the toilet. <laughs>
2: All right. So something goofy happened last week, even goofier than peanut butter whiskey and Jeez. pickle juice. Um, which I can't wait to try. Carla, thank you for that. <laughs> now it's going to drive you crazy till you yeah, try it. Can't, can't wait. So last week, the city council in San Diego. Now, this just applies to the actual city of San Diego. Has They've decided that they want to, in effect, ban 80% kits. Right. And an 80% kit, for those who don't know, is, uh, you know, the federal government had to define what a firearm is. So they said, all right, if it's 80% of the way, if a piece of metal or a piece of wood or a piece of plastic is 80% of the way to a gun, it's a gun. If it's 79% of the of the way there, then it's not a gun. If it's 81%, it's it's a gun. So they sell kits that are 80%, okay, uh, of a gun. So they've they've, you know, out of the 10 steps it takes to get to a gun, they've taken eight of them. Uh, and it's so you, it's not just a lower that you can assemble. You can't just throw a, an upper on there and you're good to go. You have to drill it. You have to mill it. Um, You know, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the expertise. That's not saying much. I can't. I I can barely yeah, change. Not the, even good with springs. <laughs> I'm horrible with springs. Like I can't even like you know change the the time on my microwave. Yeah, so yeah. not saying a whole lot. But still, it's not. You, you can't just do it. Like, but apparently, yeah. the average criminal has that skill, though. Right? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so. They said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it to where – and I actually spoke with uh, the uh, city council member's staffer who wrote this. Uh, We spoke on the phone at length. Um, He was, to his credit, was very interested in in what the critique was of of the regulation. And, uh, in effect, the way he described it, he said, hey, we're not adding an extra step. What we're doing is we're taking the step of – uh, getting a serial number because to build a gun in California, you have to go to the California department of justice. You have to get a serial number we're, We we're, we want them to get that serial number and put it on the kit before you can buy the kit. So right now you buy the kit and then you say, Hey, department of justice, let me have a serial number. And then there are very strict um, rules, laws that you have to follow in order to get that serial number onto the kit and then mill the kit out and, and boom, you have a firearm, you've a home, a home built firearm. And he said, "No, no, we want to take this and 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 put the the uh, the serial number, you know, a couple steps prior." Here's the problem: that's impossible. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, number one, manufacturers don't sell pieces of metal with serial numbers on them. They sell firearms with serial numbers on them. Number two, you can't get the serial number until you have the you know the the material. A gun. Yeah. Well, it's not a gun till you have right. the raw material. And you can't have the raw material until you have the serial number. This is, in effect, banning it. So we talked about that. And, uh, well, gee golly gosh, we just hope people, uh, you know, uh, change the way they do things. And I pointed out the fact there really are just a couple of shops in the city of San Diego that even sell these kits. You know, so there are 17 other cities in the county. There are 57 other counties in the state. There are 49 other states in the union. The city of San Diego banning, you know, metal and 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 parts and, and pieces, yeah, parts and pieces that aren't firearms. It's not going to do anything. All you got to do is go, you know, uh, you know, a couple miles that way and 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 purchase it there. And again, the the response was truly that this was more of a PR thing. Well, we just want to expose it, and we want people to talk about it, and we want people to know more about it. And I said, well, okay, well, along that the way, what you're doing is you're turning, you know, law-abiding, non-career criminals into criminals. You know, if you go down to a gun shop in San Diego and say, hey, I want an 80% kit, and they say, well, we can't do that because they're illegal. Uh, or if they don't even say that, if they just say, we don't, we don't sell that here. Try, you yeah. know, La Mesa or El Cajon. You know, and they, oh, okay, great, thanks. And they go buy it in La Mesa or El Cajon. They take it back to their their home. Put and they together. And they get busted. But they didn't even have to put it together. Just possession of this thing, and they could get busted. Now, the question, everybody always says, well, I'm not going to get busted. Something like 80, 85% of of uh, violations of the assault weapons law happened on, it was like a secondary issue. So there was a medical emergency or a fire or they were there to, you know, for a noise complaint or something like that, and discovered uh, an assault weapon or what what they cons- what California considers an assault weapon. So if you have a kit, you know, and you have a medical emergency, and the ambulance and the cop show up, and there's that piece of metal sitting on your dining room table that you didn't even know was illegal, well, boom, now you're a criminal. Now you're a criminal. You're not stopping uh, criminals. You're turning law-abiding people, non-career criminals, into criminals. They voted for this thing eight to one. Eight people to one. Chris Kate, to his credit, stood up and said this is ridiculous and pointed out just how ridiculous it was. Wendy Hoffman, our CEO, did a fantastic job. She made a statement and talked all about how ridiculous this thing is. Uh, in September, they're going to have a second reading. They're going to vote again. I'm not anticipating, they have to do that, it's required. Hmm. Um, I'm not ant- ant- anticipating changing any votes. It's going to be another 8 to 1 vote. We'll get everybody to show up. You need to show up. You need to, you know, actually you don't even have to show up, by the way. It's all done uh, via Zoom because of, of COVID. They're still Zooming? From? They're still Zooming right along. So, um, but this whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. It just makes no sense. It's not going to stop crime. It's just, you know, the ability to appease their extremist base and these anti-gun folks who've decided the latest um, boogeyman
1: and anger is ghost guns. the legal gun owners because they're also angering uh, a, a large community in California or San Diego, for that matter. I mean, they're just making them large angry.
2: community, but not organized enough. And that's one right thing we're there. trying to do. But you know, they're not they they have zero fear. You know, to put out a a law like this that's so ridiculous that has that, that's been. You know that isn't going to do anything other than uh, villainize gun owners. Really, Um, that means they do not fear you as a gun owner, even politically. Fear you as a gun owner means that you don't matter in their political world.
1: Well, look what look what Joe just did with uh, extending the eviction notice, and he came right out and said, (laughs) "I thought "Eh." you meant Joe Jamieson." No, 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 you did did that, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, Joe did. But you know, he came right out and said, "We know this isn't
4: legal." Yeah, and they don't care. I mean, it doesn't just because doesn't matter because the other
1: side will have to go to court, and that'll give us an opportunity to extend it.
4: Well, and that's the California strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do a lot of that out here, and it's and they know things aren't legal or aren't constitutional, but it'll take years yeah. to work through the yeah, courts. Yeah, makes, the government's got unlimited money. You know, these people have to challenge it, have to fundraise. So,
2: and it, and it's really just that, you know they chip away and chip away and chip away. I, I'm anticipating that more municipalities are going to follow suit i'm also uh a little birdie uh, has assured me that there's going to be a lawsuit that we're going to be proud to be a part of sure we're absolutely going to be proud to be a part of a lawsuit against this thing because you know it's it's such a blatant violation you know making something impossible to buy there's that's not a reasonable gun restriction
1: does it say 80 percent on the box uh some of them do of them do could, could you just eliminate something to make it a 78? Well, or? I actually pointed
2: that out. <laughs> See, all these things, when I'm talking to the guy that wrote the regulation, he said, well, I, I told him, hey, people are going to get in trouble. You know, People are going to get in trouble, not criminals. People are going to get in trouble. And he said, well, what I'd really like you to help me with is do an education campaign so that people know that this regulation is out there. And I said, well, the first thing I'm going to do is an education campaign so that all the gun shops know that they need to sell these 80% kits outside of the city limits. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do an education campaign for the manufacturers so that they know they need to sell 79% kits rather than 80% kits. And then when I'm, when I'm done with those educational campaigns, then maybe we can talk about an educational campaign you know, that talks about this, uh, this law. And he laughed and he gets it. But the, the thing is, is they don't care. They don't fear us yet, no. especially in the city of San Diego. Now, that's not true in some other cities. not true in other parts of California. But if, when it comes to the city of San Diego... Yeah, um, they don't fear us enough yet. And yeah. it's because they will not, not enough. They will. And it's not because of not not enough people are not taking political action. Now, we're going to show up. I think it's September 14th. Uh, get on our email list. We need you to become a member. Um, we need you to to voice your concerns. We need you to show up. And again, this time, you don't even have to show up. You just got to get on Zoom. So we're just talking about September 14th, taking a couple of hours out of your day. And going on Zoom and making an educated, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, polite, professional statement. if you don't
1: know what to say, I bet you could go to sdcgo.org and there'll be a script.
2: We're going to talk all about it. But honestly, it's more about what you shouldn't say. Don't call them names. Right. You know, don't, uh, don't, uh, insult
1: him. Don't, don't insult holler and him. scream.
2: Yeah. Just tell him, Hey, you know, I'm going to, here's who I am. And here's why I'm concerned about this. Right. Well, see, it's that I, simple.
4: And I'm optimistic about that because I think the the silver lining with all this extremism that we're seeing, you know, in California locally in San Diego and nationally from Washington is it's, it's pushing people now. I think p- people are starting to get more, more awake with this kind of stuff and they're starting to notice and you're starting to see more pushback. You're seeing it at the like school board level and things like that with a lot of this stuff. So I I think, you know, the good thing is I think this extremism is, is going to start bringing people out and getting, I just had a
1: great idea. Have you ever thought about going down and getting eight kits and taking the kits to these people and say, go home, put a gun together Yeah. And let's talk about it i will give
3: know you the weekend not, you know they're not gonna yeah. be able to do it
2: i'll give you a, a 25 dollar home depot gift card <laughs> if you can put one of these together <laughs> and then and i'll give you the weekend it. and then you come back with a gun
1: i dare you but you know they're not going to be able to but it's not about that it's well, about making it's us bad guys but they make it sound like you can buy that kit and a 12 year old can do it so go to san Diego
2: <laughs> I, we need you to join we need you to support us we need you on our email list um, we need you to, to make sure that your voices are heard.
1: All right, don't go anywhere. Stick around. Sam the Gunman's in the wings along with Mike Drop. And you can't hear it if you're not listening. So stay tuned to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM
3: 1170.
1: The Answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Well, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy ways you can do it. Like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. And share this show with as many friends as you can. And thanks for tuning in. And remember, together we will win. So we just <laughs> we just had Carla who, you know, from Riverside we were just
2: talking about. Yeah. She just sent me video of her trying her first pickleback. And she
1: loved it. Is she on the floor? No. Flopping said, around like she, a fish out of water. I think
2: her exact quote was that it, it oddly it works or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Carla. Good job. Hoo-ah. What are we doing? Uh, well, oh, we're on the radio you like we're All going right. to
1: stump your
2: <laughs> nephew. All right. Every week we get people to write in and ask questions of uh, Sam, the gunman, who is my nephew. And if you uh, if we use your question, then you get a T-shirt or a hat, whichever you like. If you stump my nephew, then you get a membership to Front Sight, which is a lifetime of training, pistol, rifle, shotgun, carbine and other. So, uh, Sam, you there? Yeah. How are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. Fantastic. Hey, you know we had a guy on earlier. His name is Ofer Lichman, and uh, he he does uh, Trauma Pack. Check out the the company Trauma Pack. T R A U M A P A K. Um, Okay. You might have a long lost uh, uh, relative there. He actually grew up in uh, Israel too, but he said that uh, I asked him if his he was related to Gideon Lichman. He said he was not. So anyway. Where were we? Okay, Kevin from Paris, California. Kevin wants to know, what pistol named after a cat features a rotating barrel?
8: Uh, what was that, Tom from uh, Paris? Kevin from Paris. Kevin from, Kevin from Paris. Um, great question. Thanks for writing in. Uh, Beretta has a line of not very well-known anymore subcompact pistols, um, called the Beretta and the Tomcat. There's also the Jetfire, which is a little bit different, but the, uh, the Tomcat and the Bobcat, they're, they're different calibers, um, have this really interesting barrel that tips up. You can uh, open the chamber, instead of by racking the very small slide, you push forward on a lever just above the trigger guard, and the barrel pops open. Uh, they're still making these today. You can buy them in 32 ACP. They come with a threaded barrel. Um, I think a five or six round magazine but uh, yeah really interesting not well-known
2: pistol so this guy writes in and we didn't uh, I don't think we, I don't think we researched this but uh, this guy claims it's the beretta cougar okay is that is that I don't know is that the same line that we're talking about or, or, or if he's
8: talking the cougar then that would be uh, that would be like a a um, uh, a recoil-operated system like the um, like the PX4 Storm, which instead of having a tilting barrel has a rotating barrel that delays the breach from opening. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to handle a PX4, but it um, well you, you're familiar with the way most modern pistols work, like Glock's, uh, Sig's, 1911s, anything like that. The barrel is locked into the slide for the first part of travel, and then it tips down to unlock. Uh, the PX-4 and um, the Cougar have a barrel that rotates to unlock.
2: That's correct, which yeah, which was what he was saying, the rotating barrel. Okay, what, what yeah, I, was-
8: I think I just missed un- misunderstood the question.
2: I think the Cougar is also, uh, what makes the Cougar different is it used to be really hot, but now it's... <laughs> I was hoping for the Sylvester, actually. Yeah said it was a cat now it's kind of older you can tell the you can tell that the beretta (laughs) cougar used to be hot but now it just kind of hangs out in you know hotel lobbies and buys you know anyway all right (laughs) (laughs) that's horrible all right i don't know if you won that one or not so i'm gonna give uh kevin a uh, front site membership anyway because i like the fact that he's from paris and uh, uh excellent job you as always know exactly what you're talking about and do a fantastic job sam
8: Well, I I appreciate that. As always, thanks for having me on. It's um, always interesting to see what kind of questions people send in, what what sort of stuff they're interested in.
2: Now, are you a whiskey guy, Sam?
8: Uh, Am I a whiskey guy? No, I I have to confess I'm not. I have a very close friend who is a real um, connoisseur, shall we say, of bourbon. Mm. But um, I can't get past the whole... 15-minute process of bringing it closer and farther from your nose and inhaling the aromas and the notes and whatnot. I'm, I'm just not that big of a drinker. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. All right, fair to enough. To disappoint. Right.
2: Manischewitz, right? You like that.
8: Oh, yeah. Well, who doesn't like Manischewitz? It's <laughs> grape juice that happens to have alcohol in it. You can buy it by the liter and a half, and it's like 10 bucks for that. There
2: you go. All right, Sam, awesome job, man. I really appreciate it. Take care, buddy. You too. Have a good night. And now it's time for this week's Mic Drop.
0: Mic Drop.
2: Marietta is a nice little town in Riverside County. If you haven't been, check it out. It's a nice place to visit. It's a nice place to live. Recently had the pleasure of meeting with their police chief, Tony Conrad. To their credit, Marietta started issuing CCWs a few years ago back when the former sheriff, Sheriff Sniff, refused to improve their CCW program. As a result, it was near impossible to get a CCW in under two years. That sheriff is uh, now gone, and the new sheriff, Sheriff Bianco, fixed the problem real quick, which is why he earned the endorsement of Riverside County gun owners for his reelection. Because Marietta was one of the first cities to issue, they really wanted to see their A. I get it. Makes sense. And part of their CYA was including a psychological evaluation on every single applicant. This added a $150 additional cost. But at the time, if that's what you had to do to get a CCW, okay, fine. They were really out in front, and we appreciate their leadership. But the calculus has changed. It's now years later, and almost every county in California is issuing. Even some of the tough counties like San Diego and L.A. are issuing. Nobody requires a psychological evaluation. And let's talk about this psych evaluation. This test is little more than a personality test. It doesn't test to see if you're crazy. It evaluates your personality to see how you respond to stress, et cetera. It's mainly used to test candidates who are going to become cops or security guards, and they test them before they're hired. But it's just a personality test. That's it. And there is no requirement in the Constitution, last time I checked, that a person has to have the same personality as a cop before they can protect their life outside of their home. So I met with Police Chief Conrad. The first thing he says to me in the meeting, he tells me not to worry. They have never turned down a single application based on the psych evaluation. Okay, then let's get rid of it, right? If it's, the, if it's only adding cost to the tune of $150 additional per person, and you aren't actually using it to determine denials, stop sticking it to the voters by charging them an extra $150 bucks to test their personality. The chief says to me, you keep calling it a personality test, but that's not what it is. Okay, I tell the chief, uh, it also tests a person to make sure that they're mentally ill, right? Or, sorry, it doesn't. Excuse me, it doesn't test a person to make sure they're mentally ill, right? Can we agree on that? And he said, yeah, he agreed. It doesn't test to make sure if the person's mentally ill. So I ask him, all right, then what does it test if it's not a personality test? He stumbled around a bit and kind of hemmed and hawed. And I say to him that it tests people's reactions and how they handle stress and pressure in certain situations, Right he agreed with me again. I pointed out that there's actually a term for those kinds of reactions uh, that we had just agreed that the test tests. And that term is personality. It's a personality test. The conversation was frankly ridiculous. The chief dug his heels in and no matter how much I proved, he had no idea what he was talking about, nor did he have any kind of good reason for requiring the personality test. His main reason was and exactly what he said is that uh, because he said so. That was his reason. It's my program. I'm putting my name on the CCWs. We're going to do this personality test because I say so. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a tyrant. It's a mini tyrant in his own little fiefdom, in his own little domain. Uh, But a tyrant nonetheless. He was appointed by Republican city council members. Those are Republicans I now have to go convince to force the chief to change his policy. Republicans are supposed to be pro-Second Amendment, right? Well, wish me luck on this. And Chief Conrad is a career cop. I keep hearing that all of them are pro-Second Amendment, too. So wish me luck on that again. (laughs) The Second Amendment is codified in our Constitution so tyrants like Conrad can't infringe on our rights. But just like a restraining order, the Constitution is nothing more than a piece of paper. It's just a list of ideas, unless we make the effort and take the actions to defend it and that's what we're doing every single day at every single turn chief conrad is just the latest but he won't be the last and it's the reason that san diego county gun owners orange county gun owners san bernardino county gun owners and riverside county gun owners exists and is important to support and that is your mic drop
3: mic
0: drop uh, are,
1: are you ready Bam! Hey, folks, are you listening on YouTube, on the podcast? Do us a favor, hit like that subscribe button and share the show with as many friends as you can have and leave a comment, too. And it really does help us to get around their algorithms. So please support all our great sponsors as well, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Blackhound Optics, National Concealed Carry Association, and our newest partner, 365 Glacier Payments. And I can't thank Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and, yes, the man in the box, Brendan Thomas, for all their support. You guys can go to gunownersradio.com for podcasts, latest information. Maybe you got a comment, question. Uh, we don't have enough air time to take calls So this is the best way to do it. Gunownersradio.com. Come on out to the barbecue on August 18th, Wednesday. Great barbecue. And don't forget, Gun Prom is right around the corner. October 16th, Saturday. Still got some tables. A lot of uh, tables. Available. Uh, Not according to Wendy. Wendy says you have two.
2: Wendy's going to wring my neck for the amount of tables we're selling.
1: (laughs) All right, (laughs) folks. Hey, our good buddy Bob's in the wings. He's got a great show lined up. That's Bob Siegel right here on Gut Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer.